Hello and welcome to the Emerging Leaders Podcast, an official podcast here at Fisher Homes where we collect wisdom, strategies, and insights from proven and successful leaders to help you go further and faster as a leader. I'm your host, Tom Hansen. Got a great episode for you today. I had a chance to sit down with Amanda Bluso. Amanda Bluso is a production process manager in our Columbus division here at Fisher Homes. And in this episode, we talk about Amanda's career story, how she went from being a college recruit at Fisher Homes to being a sales counselor to being an elite coach sales counselor, to becoming a PPM production process manager. We also, and this is so exciting, had our first ever listener question submitted by Amy Sapola, sales counselor from our Indianapolis division, to talk about the specifics of a crossover between departments like operations and sales. And then we talk about how leaders need to embody the integrity of the organization and invest in their team with lots of empathy. As always, I've timestamped our conversation in the description below if you want to jump around to different topics, but I encourage you to stick around to the end because at the end, I'm going to partner with Hannah Wirth. She is marketing manager here at Fisher Homes and also vice president of our Emerging Leaders Group, and she and I are going to break down my conversation with uh, Amanda and give you some takeaways to grow as a leader. But with that, let me jump to my conversation with Amanda. Amanda Bluso, so excited to chat with you. Thanks for spending some time with me today. Hey, Tom. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. Yes. So excited to chat with you. Um, we've known each other a little, for a while through like sales and training and different avenues there, but now PPM for uh, in Columbus, which is super exciting. So you've had a, a pretty uh, exciting career here at Fisher Homes. I want to dig in. But before we do all of that, I would love to just hear your story. What is your career story kind of in and through college, joining Fisher Homes? What was that process like? Just give me the, the whole scoop. Sure. Um, so I joined Fisher Homes right after graduating from Miami University in 2016. So I think I've told this story to a couple of people, but I got to senior year, uh, middle of senior year, not really knowing exactly what I wanted to do. I was a strategic communications major. So I kind of had a lot of options to pick from and a lot of avenues to go down and kind of got to the end of senior year and my friends were starting to get jobs and full-time positions in different states and locations. And I was kind of like, okay, well, I should probably figure this out. So um, Miami held a couple of career fairs um, that year. And I think it was the spring career fair I went to with a couple of my friends and there was the list of employers coming to the career fair, and I didn't really know what any of them were. I didn't really know what I was even interested in or what I wanted to do after school, um, but on my list was Fisher Homes. So I ended up meeting a couple of people there. Um, we I wasn't able to do the in-person interview just due to classes the next day, but we were able to get a phone interview scheduled. Um, so that 30 to 40 minute interview turned into, um, I think like a 10 minute conversation with HR, um, our application online, and then a two hour interview driving from Oxford to Columbus. Um, so that interview ended up being with actually Bill O'Gorman, who was my sales manager for the past five years and now one of my mentors and a few other people that ended up in an offer to a sales associate position that I ended up taking. So 
it was, it was a journey and I'm from the suburbs of Cleveland, Ohio. So I moved to Columbus knowing two other people, I think, um, not really knowing any of the suburbs. I've been to a couple of Ohio state games before, but that was pretty much the extent of my knowledge of Columbus and, um, was able to obviously learn the different suburbs, neighborhoods through my position in sales, but it's kind of how I got here. Wow. That's exciting. And I heard something from somewhere. Were you the first college recruit or something like that? Is that true? And did I make that up or dream that? That is the tale that I've been told as well, is that corporate was really trying to gear up to college recruits and get into the college recruiting um, system. And so I knew we don't go to Miami University anymore, I don't believe, but Ohio State, Cincy. But that year that they were at Miami, I think I was one of the first applicants, I think, um, but the first person hired directly from a career fair. So I'm happy to be a part of it. Dang. And I, I, I know it to be true because you do have that plaque on your wall behind you of first, first recruit <laughs> ever hired. You're really, I can tell you're really proud of that. So no, I don't. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But that's really exciting. And so you were in sales for, for how long with us before the PPM shift? So I will be actually five years with Fisher um, in a couple of weeks. So I was a sales wow. associate for a couple of months when I got hired to just get trained. And then for the past like four and a half years, I was a sales counselor and was lucky enough to be an elite coach as well. So I had the opportunity yeah. to train, I think like close to eight or nine, 10 people on the team. Wow. Yeah. So you were an elite coach is what you're saying, right? Yeah. So it's something I definitely want to talk about today is the opportunity to be an elite coach and how awesome that was. Oh, man. Okay. Well, <laughs> if you definitely want to talk about it, then we, I guess we have to. I, I know, well, real quick. So before we do that, I, I think, yeah. So so much exciting stuff and like I that I was taking notes as you were talking. I want to talk about sales. I want to talk about the elite coach. But I also just want to talk about you coming in as a co-op or not a co-op as, as a recruit right out of college. You know, I think there's a lot of different people starting and, and, and continuing their careers here at Fisher Holmes. I was not one of those college recruits. I had a, I was had a previous career, changed careers, joined Fisher Holmes. But when you reflect back on joining up as a right out of college person, what would what would you say is your biggest piece of advice for someone who might be in the same position? of how to be successful coming right out of college? So I think a big reason that the college recruiting system that we have in place works is a lot of the, the people coming directly from school are very coachable. And so that's something that I always give to advice. And whether it's someone coming from out of college or someone coming from a different career path or someone who's been selling for 20 years, but directly from college is definitely take the opportunity to be coachable be open to it and um, take it in. Like we're coming directly from studying and taking tests and learning a whole realm of new things. So if it's going to be in your first career or maybe your second careers, why not take it all in and be very, it'd be as much coach, be as coachable as you can in order to really succeed and kind of learn the Fisher way. And we have these processes in place for a reason and we have fuse for a reason. So if you're able to soak that all in, all in and use it, it's, it's proven to work. Yeah, absolutely. I love that mentality of just take it in. And, and do you feel like, at what point did you feel like you had mastered your craft as a salesperson? Like how long did it take you from college, graduation, starting Fisher Homes to the point where you felt like you really 
New Year's stuff? So I was promoted to the PPM February 1st, but when I was still selling in January, I still had questions every day. It's it's a it's a huge job. It's it's a lot of information to know, but you're going to have questions no matter what. But that being said, I would say a year um, after being in a full sales sales counselor role, not sales associate, but sales counselor role and getting a full year of selling in there, you pretty much have it down. And a year sounds like a long time, but you really, you meet so many different people and so many different experiences in that sales role that learning how to how to sell to the different personality types that we learn about in Fuse, I think is it takes practice. So as long as you're willing to be open to that. And um, like I said, you're still going to have questions every single day. And that, that yeah. process is a long process. But uh, as long as you keep practicing, um, I know at least our division does practices every week and um, being able to stick to the process. And um, I would say being be comfortable being uncomfortable because you're going to be in these situations that you're not used to. So if you're, if you're open to that and you're, you're willing to kind of learn from those experiences, learn from your mistakes, I would say a good year is when you're really going to kind of nail it down. Yeah, absolutely. I'm really glad that you said that because I think something that I have noticed in teaching Fuse and, and now I'm really kind of spending a lot of time in Pace, which is our construction training, just people are very impatient yeah. <laughs> you know, like, and they want to, and they kind of beat up on themselves. They go like, gosh, I, you know, I did this a couple of times. Why am I still not getting it? Why am I still getting feedback? I even had, I even had a guy recently just kind of say, you know, I, I, you know, why do we have to keep practicing? And I've got, I got it figured out. And I'm just like, you don't have it figured out. You know what I mean? Right. Like it's a, uh, it takes time. You've got to put in the reps. That's really what I've said. It's like a, especially with sales. Would you agree? It's like sales is like, you got to just work at it enough to where you have the muscle memory. You know, it's like where you're at the point where you're not thinking about that checklist the entire time, but you know the checklist so well, you can free your mind up to, like you said, react to this personality or throw in this little zinger or, you know, that's where your brain goes. But that only comes with like a lot of time and practice to where all the other stuff just becomes autopilot. Right. Would you agree with that? Yeah, definitely. Like, I know we're going to touch on it more, but like training and doing like the elite coach program, it'd be so funny to see my associates who would shadow me. And then when they would feel comfortable enough to take prospects around the house, I would hear them say like the same like one liners that I would say, or they would talk about certain things in like certain rooms of the house that I would. So it was just funny to, to watch all that. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Amanda, I'm getting the hint. We want to talk about elite coach. <laughs> I get it. You're, it's, you're, uh, no, I'm awesome. just kidding. No, I love it. I love it. No. So for people that may not know, so an elite coach role is one in which you've been selling your successful sales counselor and you have to maintain the role of a full-time sales counselor. It's not like you get a reduction in that responsibility, but you get that added responsibility of coaching and mentoring new people. And, and how long, well, one, how long was it that you were selling before you took on that role? And how long were you an elite coach? I think I was selling for two years before I got promoted to elite coach. So for the past three years, I've been training people, maybe a little bit over three years. So a little fun fact is that my first associate was Katie Mumford, and she is now the sales manager for our Dean division. 
Oh my gosh. That is a fun fact. That is the definition of a fun fact right there. <laughs> She's killing. She's doing great. I know. That's, that's, that is like, that's one of the things I say about training and just folks who are becoming uh, elite coaches is, you know, it's really, there's really three benefits there. You know, it's like you get, you get very specialized training, you know, like there's elite coach summits and other things that you get access to that no one else gets access to access to that makes you just a better sales counselor in general. Um, and you always just learn more when you're teaching anyway, right? But then you also get an increased compensation opportunities. But then there's also just that altruistic, like you get to just help people and you get to see people change and develop and become better and successful as a result of your efforts, which is just really rewarding, right? I was going to say the word rewarding too. And I don't mean to sound dramatic, but like I had a part in helping like that person's life change. Like someone who found such a passion for selling homes and being part of that process. And, and again, I don't mean it to sound selfish, but it was super rewarding to me to be like, Hey, I had a part in that and I'm making a difference in their life and their family's life. So I thought it, it's a great experience. So if anyone has the opportunity to be an elite coach, I, I would say definitely do it. And like Tom said, it's, it's not easy. You have to maintain a mystery shop score, um, a certain amount of sales and producing. So something that you definitely would want to talk to your sales manager about, but anyone have had, if you have the opportunity, I say 125% do it. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Not, not an easy path, but a good one. And you're right. I mean, it makes you better, right? I think that's the other thing. I think a lot of times people would avoid kind of a training role because it's like, ah, it's just a distraction. I can't babysit people while I'm trying to sell homes. Right. But that's not really what it is. It's like, it forces you to be better. You got to be more on top of your game and you always learn more by teaching and, and uh, coaching. But then, yeah, like it is, I mean, it's not, it's not selfish or self-serving, you know, it's like, we all want to believe that what we're doing every day is making the world a better place. You know, even, even the most cynical person, we want to be known, we want to know that we're having an impact. Right. And that's a very tangible way to see that. Right. Um, and just someone who's just like, man, you know, I, uh, I, I got them started on their journey and look at them now, you know, you're, you're, you're mama bird, you push them out of the nest and, you know, <laughs> you walk and fly. And so, um, yeah, I mean, what other insights do you have about being an elite coach or what that provided you or anything like that? So kind of like that, that aspect of rewarding and being able to see like my peers grow from training, it kind of led me to this like, hey, I'm kind of wanting a, a little bit more here. Um, what, 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 what's my next step? So I think my next piece of advice would really just be make yourself notice, talk to your sales managers, talk to your market president about what your next step is and what you see for yourself. Um, I, I didn't see the opportunity for my position opening. Um, and when I did, I was on the phone almost immediately. So just just get out there and, and make sure that you kind of know what your next step is that you want that you want to do, whether it's an elite coach and, or whether it's you want to stay in sales and um, just keep killing it in the sales role, whether you want to be a field manager and you want to move to design center, just have that conversation, even if it's like, hey, I'm, I'm super happy here, but I know in the next four years, I would want to see myself as a manager somewhere. So just making yourself known, I would say, is my next piece of advice. Yeah, I think that's really, really important. And I think something that I didn't really learn until recently is just how important it is to raise your hand and make, make your desires known. Um, I, think, I think people, you know, are 
you know, want to work hard, but they want that hard work to be noticed. It's almost like we want someone to just swoop in and go, I've been watching everything you've done. I, I have scripted out a path for you of growth that is just, you know, based on everything that I've observed and all the great things. And here it is. And I'm just laying it at your feet. I mean, I think it's almost like we want that. Right. And we feel like, oh, no, I shouldn't have to ask for opportunities they should be given if I'm working hard, but that, that's just unrealistic, you know? Um, it, it, like what, what is reality is most often the people at the top, they don't really know what's going on in our heads or our desires or anything until we make those known. And it is, so it, it's really two parts though, I, I believe, right? And you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think one you have got, and this is something a lot of people don't have, you've got to take some time to have clarity on what you want, right? And that's just like, you you got to know before you can go communicate your intentions or your desires, you got to figure that out for yourself. But then you just, it is a step. You have to straight up raise your hand. You have to have a meeting. You have to have a conversation to say, this is what I want. This is where I want to go. Um, and you've got to seize those opportunities. They don't just come to you and are laid at your feet, right? Would you agree with that? A hundred percent. And I'm kind of stealing this from my market president, John Jasper, but um, he always says, and I think he touched on this too in his podcast, is just making yourself the obvious choice. So mm-hmm. when those opportunities do arise and um, you step forward and five other people step forward, you want to make sure that your name's the one that sticks out and for obvious reasons. So if you're putting in the work in your current position and you're you're vocal with your managers and in you, your team about where you see yourself, I don't see why you can't take that next step if, if you are the obvious choice. Yeah. And I think you really modeled that, right? You you were killing it in your current role, which is something that we tell everybody, right? Step one, always like you got to be successful with where you are right now before you start thinking about what's next, right? And then once you, and then you've got to determine those paths. And so, and then you got to make those intentions known um, and make yourself the obvious choice for that. So my question to you is, is like, so it seemed like something clicked for you that like being a manager was like something you wanted. Like, was that something that just dropped out of the sky? Were you exploring <laughs> and looking for that? Um, were you, or you, were you ever at a point where you're just like, I don't know what I want. I don't know what I want to do when I grow up. Yeah. How, how do you work through those kind of decisions? So I think in my first, second and probably third year selling, I was, Hey, I'm content in selling. I'm happy where I'm at. And I, and I don't want to leave. And then, um, getting promoted to elite coach too. I think that, like I said, kind of led me into, I really like being able to help and kind of oversee others. Um, and so when the position for PPM arised, I, I, my biggest concern when, when speaking to my manager was, Hey, I know I can learn and I can study what a PPM does. And I know I can master that with practice and with learning but I'm a little bit nervous for the managing side. It's something I've never really done before. And I've only had that experience as an elite coach where I was their mentor, but not their manager. So that was the part that, to be honest, I was a little bit nervous getting into. Um, I have a team of seven here at the internal office in Columbus. And um, it's something that I've spoken to my manager about. And um, like I mentioned, Bill Bill O'Gorman is one of my mentors as well and I'm talking to him about. But I think it's something that, you have to kind of teach on your own way. Um, it's kind of interesting. So we actually just had a culture index training and mm-hmm. that was really, really interesting to be part of. So one of my my high scores is what we were calling it, but I was a high B or we call it like higher social ability. 
Mm-hmm. And for that, it, it was interesting because it was like, hey, this person is very personable and she wants to see her others do well. She's very empathetic and she is always having like a bubbly personality or really wants um, to connect with other personalities. And I was like, okay, well, that is me. And how can I translate that into a management style? So I think my one-on-ones are very upbeat and I'm a little bit more social around the office than maybe some people want me to be. Um, (laughs) But I think my managing style is really connecting with my peers and the internal team. And it's just kind of how you make it into your own styles, as I would say. So everyone has their own managing style, but I think mine is really kind of, kind of connecting with that, those personalities. And I think that's what I carried over from sales too, was I did well because I think I took the time to connect with people and really hear their stories and kind of problem solve with them. And that's kind of the approach I'm taking with managing, managing as well. Yeah. And that's a great point. And that kind of brings me to uh, a really exciting uh, piece of information, a really exciting thing. So uh, if people have listened to this podcast, you know, or maybe before you probably end it right at the right before it's the end. I get it. Right. But at the very end of every podcast, I always say the same thing. I say, if you have any thoughts or questions, reach out to me. But if you want me to interview someone on this podcast, let me know who it is and give me a question to ask them. And so Someone actually did it. I've been saying it for a year and a half, and, and someone did it. Amy Sapola, she is a sales counselor in our Indianapolis division. She asked to speak to you directly, and I'm so excited she did. And she actually has a specific question for you. So uh, this is a shout out to her for doing that. And anyone else, like, this is real. Send me a request. We will talk to them. But let's hear what Amy's question was to you. Hi, Amanda. This is Amy Sapola from the Indianapolis division. I'm a sales counselor here, and the operations side of things have always been interesting to me. Um, Hearing your name as a sales leader, I'm very curious to hear how your experiences and what lessons you've learned from being a sales counselor has transitioned into being a production process manager. Well, thank you, Amy. I appreciate that. Um, that's very sweet for you to reach out. Um, so some experience and lessons that um, from being a sales counselor transi- transitioning into a PPM role. Um, I guess speaking on the sales counselor side is to persevere. Like we were talking about before in the podcast is become a master at what you're doing right now. It's rewarding, like we, like we mentioned, but there it's rewarding for yourself too to kind of be, to be part of changing a customer's life and making someone a homeowner probably the largest investment they'll, they'll probably make in their whole life. And I guess one story I have from that would be um, working with someone for over, I think it was a year and a half from when I first met them. And it was before we were even able to cross sell in Columbus. And I actually had moved out of that neighborhood and working on financing and getting a game plan together with him, working with Victory Mortgage. And over a year, it took him to kind of rebuild to where he needed to be and a few job changes. He had a, a child in, in the middle of that. But at the end of that year, in about three months it was, he was able to actually get qualified. Um, we had new home sites in a section that he liked better in a community. And um, he actually just recently closed um, a, a few months ago, actually. So that that process is it's rewarding, but to keep to keep working hard because those experience that those experiences I think will help you kind of move forward in your sales counselor role. And those rewarding experiences, if you kind of take them just kind of piece by piece, they they really make the job worth it. Um, and then if you keep having things like those happen, it's it's kind of 
a no-brainer to to maybe want that next step, whether it's elite coach or moving into the internal team. But I would say persevering is definitely the what I would speak to on the sales side of it. And then speaking on the PPM side of it or moving to the internal team is, again, I'm sorry for keep going back to it, but if you want to be that next step is kind of speaking on elite coach and really putting yourself out there like, hey, I want this next step. Yeah, absolutely. So you were saying like, hey, elite coach kind of prepared me to start managing or really just like for you to put your toe in the water of management and whether you would like that or if it would be a good fit. And so elite coach was an on-ramp for you to do that. For sure. Um, but then it, earlier, it sounded like too, you were saying, hey, I learned how to talk to people. I learned how to interact with them and be sociable. And I'm able to carry that over to my role as a PPM, right? Is that right too? Yeah. And, and something else I would say too is being able and being open to change and adapting to change. Fisher is great because we're always changing, whether it's some type of new technology that we've came out with, a new report we've come out with, new floor plans and new processes of like the, the sale process. So being able to be open to that and willing to change and um, whether it's like changing any of those processes or really just changing what you're doing as a sales counselor. So being able to adapt well, it doesn't go unnoticed, I would say. So um, you have a team that's looking out for you and we're not going to say, hey, here's a promotion. It was meant for you and we think you should take it. It's really going to say, hey, we've noticed that you've been able to adapt to the changes that we've been making. We've been noticing that you've been working hard through some of these struggles. We've been noticing that, hey, you had a situation that wasn't um, the easiest to get through, but you were able to persevere and get persevere and get through it too. So I would say being able to adapt to change, working hard um, and making yourself noticed would be the three things that I would take away from it. Yeah, absolutely. So in what ways did being a sales counselor first give you a leg up? And, and do, have you experienced any uh, challenges that have come from coming from the sales role into that role? That's a great question. So I was really excited for this role just because the PPM is so well-rounded in what Fisher Homes does, dipping into sales, working with field managers, working with lenders, our partner lender, um, pretty much everything um, a PPM touches. So it, being in sales, I would say one of the, the best things going from non-management position to a management position was meeting so many different personality types and being able to kind of not even coach, but be around those, whether it was customers or my peers or sales associates that I was coaching. And I have seven different personality types that I work with now on, on my internal team. And I think that really helped me out in enable, being able to manage a little bit better. So that's something that I was really grateful for com coming from sales to um, the PPM role. And also just really knowing our processes. And there, since I've been promoted February 1st, there have been a ton of changes that have happened. So we're still adapting and changing. So that's something that I think, honestly, everyone needs to be able to do well in order to succeed or move up here. But um, knowing floor plans and things like that, having a relationship with Victory were all things that I was grateful for coming in to this new role. Um, I think the challenge for me was definitely um, just the managing side of it. So something that I'm still learning and, and working on. Um, but it's, it's just crazy. I didn't know how much the internal team did when I got here <laughs> or before I got here. So when I did get here, I was like, wow, they work their butts off and not a lot of people know it. So a shout out to all the internal teams out there. 
Absolutely. And I love what you said about the personality types. I don't think people really understand how important that is, you know, because I think a lot of times people might think, you know, I, I would have even up and coming sales counselors I'm training and they would have a, they would have a rough customer and they would have this statement. And it always got under my skin where they would say like, I mean, good riddance. I mean, who would want to even sell to that guy, right? Like who would even want to sell to her? And I would like, you do, you want to sell to everybody, right? Like there, there is no personality type that is outside of where you want to sell, right? right? And I think as a sales counselor, you have to learn to adapt because I feel like anybody that works with people, it's always they're always re- wrestling with this, this desire to wish that all of the people they worked or a lot of the people they worked with are just different people rather than just learning to adapt and work with anyone, right? Yeah, yeah, I agree. Like, so when a lot of times those those bulls came into the model and they would rush right past you and not really give you the time of day. It's like, I didn't necessarily want to be their friend, but I want to sell them a house. Absolutely. <laughs> so I think that's, that's where I, I, I did well in sales is, is because I took the time to genuinely care about people. So being able to break down those bulls and get more information from them than, than I typically would if I kind of let them do their thing, but genuinely caring about others, realizing their needs and, um, I think that was my strength in sales that kind of led over to the management side and, and the PP, PPM role side too. And just being in this atmosphere of so many different personality types, like you said. Good. So transitioning a little bit to leadership, I'd love to just hear your thoughts on this. What What is one characteristic that you believe that every leader should possess? So kind of going back to, I just thought it was so interesting that culture index training that we did. One of the traits that I would say was high on my list, like I said before, was empathetic. And so I think that can translate to leadership and and really caring about the people that you're overseeing and really getting to know them and taking time in, in your one-on-one, not to only talk about, hey, what's on what's on your feedback sheet for, for the week, but also a little bit more like, hey, how, how are you doing? And taking the time to to really know them and, and see and see how they're doing. But at the same time of knowing them on a personal level, you have to have the integrity and, and the good morals of the company and, and being able to instill those as well. So I think I kind of have a, a mixture of both that so far for my three months here has been, has been working out pretty well. Yeah. But I definitely say kind of a mixture of integrity, empathy that I, I think that's kind of my kind of managing style. So it so far has been working. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Integrity and empathy. I think that's really great. So, uh, Amanda, we are at the most famous segment of, of the podcast. It's called The Bag of Questions. People beg for it. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm led to believe that some people actually have tattoos that say Bag of Questions. They <laughs> the so, much. Uh, so I'm going to throw out a couple questions, a few questions, just to, off the top of your head to see where you're at with no prep at all. Are you ready? I think I'm ready. Okay. Uh, this is a good one. What is something interesting about you that I would have never guessed? I would say it's pretty interesting. So back in college, I, this is starting off really, really sad, but it has a happy ending, I promise. But um, one of my uncles got really sick, actually, with a rare form of um, like a, a kidney cancer. And I was one of the 15 people in my family who were tested for a donation that was approved. And so when I was 19 years old, I donated a kidney to my uncle. And he's doing well and great. And I thought that was pretty interesting. Wow, that's so cool. I Yeah, I, I would have never guessed that. You just blew my mind. Well, good for you. That's Thank awesome. Thank you. Thank you very much. Very good. Okay, so here's a, here's a fun one. Okay. 
what's your spirit animal? Mm. So I grew up with my, my dad calling me Amanda Panda, but I don't really like when people call me Amanda. So I, I don't know if Panda can be it. Oh, you don't like Amanda? I like I like Amanda, but people call me like Manda a lot. Manda. Mandy's like... a no-no. Mandy is a no-no. No. Okay. And now I'm going to have so many people calling me Mandy or chatting me Mandy. What's up, Mandy? Um, <laughs> I don't know. I, I can stick with the panda. I also grew up swimming a lot too. So always like on the swim team and I always kind of like dolphins. I think that'd be kind of cool. Okay. So that's kind of your, it's a very intelligent animal. I could see that. Very good. <laughs> okay. Uh, this, the, we always end on an inspirational one. How about this one? What's the best advice you ever received? Um, that's a good one. I would say the best advice that someone's given me is going for it and kind of seeing what the benefits or the consequences are versus not going for it at all. Cause I would say you're going to learn from it either way versus not learning anything at all. Absolutely. Yeah, I love that. Just like there's not a lot of value in inaction. I agree, 100%. Yeah, that's really good. I love that. Okay, well, Amanda, uh, Amanda, uh, this has been <laughs> amazing. Thank you for spending some time with me. Um, loved everything we got. You know, I love just listening to just how important you it has been for you to be coachable and how you've offered that and the value that comes from stepping up into those teaching and training roles that exist in many of our our departments and divisions right that that's something that you get a lot of value out of and you have a great um, testimony to that um, i love just learning how you've utilized things like culture index to really inform the way that you interact with customers and interact with your team and and you play to your strengths you know you know that hey this is my this is who i am and i'm just going to play to that and not just try to be someone else for the sake of doing that. And I love just how you've taken that step that so many of our up and coming leaders have, which is jumping across departments to get a full and more holistic view of what Fisher Homes does. Um, so I think anyone that puts forth half of this advice is going to be so much better off. So thank you so much for spending time with me today. Thank you for having me, Tom. Okay. Bye-bye. Man, another great episode, good conversation with Amanda Bluso. And to help me break it down, I've got marketing manager and vice president of the Emerging Leaders Group, Hannah Worth. Hannah, how are you doing today? Doing good today. Awesome. Great. I'm sure you're doing better after this amazing interview with Amanda. I know. It was pretty awesome. Some of those key little inputs she put to were really great. Yeah. I mean, she what? She donated a kidney to her uncle, which I thought Jeez. was, I mean, amazing. Yeah. But some of those things you just crazy. don't know about people. I know, right? And yeah, it's what I love about this podcast is we get to talk about insights and all those other things, but we get to just, people are human beings and they have lives and connecting with people. It's just a great experience. It's awesome. So, um, you know, one amazing thing happened in this podcast, which was, oh my gosh, what is this is like, this is like episode 40 of this podcast. And from episode one, I have said in my little tagline, I go, oh, uh, and if you uh, email me, if you have any questions specifically, I'd love to know, uh, who would you like to be on this podcast? And when, what questions would you like me to ask them when they're on the, I say that every time. Yeah. Everyone either is ignoring me or they don't listen that far and they've already stopped the recording. Right. Uh, but we had someone actually respond 
Amy Cipolla and Indy. How cool was that? I mean, that was amazing. Did you just keep that for safekeepings? File it away. Oh yeah, I have a. <laughs> it's my special my special file that I okay. have. No, I'm just kidding. But no, it was. Uh, she reached out to me, and it was so cool. Like they had never even met. They never had a conversation. Yeah. It was just Amy had heard Amanda's name thrown out as someone who um, had this flexible growth plan and who was taking a jump from sales to operations. And those kinds of jumps happen a lot in Fisher Homes. And a lot of people have questions about them. And uh, um, and so Amy reached out to me. I reached out to Amanda and the rest is history. Yeah. I mean, what perfect timing too. Amanda just transitioned right. into a new role as manager. Yeah. PM from being a sales counselor for many years. Yeah, and absolutely. it's yeah. a whole 180. She even said, she was like, I had no idea how much was going on in the operations side. Right. It's crazy how, I love what came out of it was a very real um, account of what it's like. You know, we, we talk about it a lot on the podcast. It's something that people do a lot in Fisher Homes, but I don't know if we've ever in real time said, okay, you are making a huge leap from department to department. Well, how's that going for you? Right. And I think she she had a very honest answer in the sense that it's a little uncomfortable. She has a lot to learn Mm -hmm. and she's approaching it from a non-traditional path. Right. Right. It's not she's coming at it from a sales side, which which was really cool to hear that gave her some advantages that also gave her some challenges to overcome. Yeah, it's, it was interesting to hear how she's almost still in that uncomfortable stage of her role. Yeah. She has seven people reporting to her now, and she said they're all seven different personalities, and she's still learning so much. Right. She even said she was still learning a ton as a sales counselor for several years. She was a veteran sales counselor, elite coach. Right. So it was it was interesting to hear her say that, from, like you said, from a true perspective. Yeah, yeah. And it really what it really made me think of is... And this is something uh, Brad Kreiner actually brought this up on his podcast where he was talking about so often we as leaders focus on the negative, focus on the weakness, focus on the thing that needs fixed. I mean, I think that's that's the mentality of a leader is like, you got a problem, I'll fix it. You know, like, let's do it. Um, but what he said is, you know, if your kid comes home with a report card with an F and we'll say a D, <laughs> a, a D in English, but an A in math, what are you going to talk to him about? And what you should do is math, right? You should. So. To bring that all together, it was, I think, so much of what she's describing and what I think is very important to do is play to your strengths, trust your strengths and, and your and your experiences that you have, leverage those, um, but then manage your weaknesses, especially, especially when you're in these new kind of uncomfortable roles. Yeah, she was saying how just take it step by step, but you're going to find those little opportunities that you can really jump off and catapult from. Yeah. Um, and then you learn all these new things and you have these new experiences and then it's a no brainer from there to really continue to take those opportunities. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I love that she brought back John Jasper's podcast mm-hmm. on um, being so good they can't ignore you. And, you know, it was amazing to me. And I kind of thought, like, as soon as we heard Amy's question and, and, and then uh, Amanda was launching into her answer, I almost stopped because I was like, I don't know if she heard it right. Because she was talking so much about being a sales counselor immediately. Mm -hmm. But then it hit me. I'm like, oh, my gosh. It's like the step one is always master where you are. Mm -hmm. Become the best at where you are right now. But then look for those opportunities to move and and shake and move diagonally upwards wherever it is. But um, the thing that where she is right now 
is she's not thinking about the next thing. She's like, I'm just here to master this. I'm uncomfortable right now. I'm in this place. I'm learning a lot. That's a good place to be. And I'm just going to soak it up and master it as much as I can. Yeah, I think she's probably learned, like she said, a lot from John. But she's also learned a lot from her other leaders within. And she's kind of found those characteristics that she found so appealing. Right. And she's trying to figure out how am I going to take those characteristics and do it to my own team, too. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I almost think a great takeaway here would be to think about what you're doing right now. Like, what are you good at? I, this is a great exercise that I've done several times when I've just been uh, not really clear on where I'm going or what I'm doing is I just take out a notepad and uh, I set it next to wherever my workstation is or wherever I'm doing most of my work. And I kind of write... I love it and I hate it, two columns. And anything that I'm doing that I love, I kind of write it down like, oh, loved loved that phone call, love this conversation with my coworker, hated blah, 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 whatever it is, building a spreadsheet. And just thinking about the work, not in terms of a job title or a job description, but just in terms of the responsibilities, the skills that I'm using. And it really helped me identify my strengths and it helped me identify my weaknesses. And I think that's a really good place to be If you're ever thinking about following a path like Amanda's, which is making leaps or jumps into different uncomfortable roles. Yeah, she, like you said, she mastered being a sales counselor and then moved into that elite coach role and really found that that was what she was passionate about, was seeing other people succeed. So she can, of course, turn their success into her success. So I think she really, she sat down and said, what's next for me? You know, I've mastered these things. I want to find this next opportunity. Yeah. And it, it was a big leap and a big challenge, but she's thriving already. Yeah, she's doing great. That's awesome. So that's my big takeaway for you guys. Figure out your strengths. Figure out your weaknesses. There's ways to do that. That little exercise I gave you is a, is a really good one. Another one that I love, uh, and again, I know we have a lot of personality tests and we're inundated with that, but Strength Finder is a great resource if you've never done it a great, great um, kind of play on the personality test world. It literally just, rather than telling you who you are and your DNA and your as a person, it just tells you what you're good at and how you can leverage those strengths, which I think is just a great, great uh, step to learn more about yourself and kind of where you're going. But that's my big takeaway. Figure out your strengths and how to leverage those. So thank you so much for listening. If you have thoughts or questions, oh, here it is. Here's the statement. I'm so excited to say it this week because it actually happened last week. But if you have thoughts or questions, don't hesitate to reach out to me, <laughs> thanson at fishingrealms.com. Specifically, here it is. And this is not just for the Amy Sapolas of the know, world. I know, shoes to fill. I know, this is for everybody. Who would you like to be on this podcast and what questions would you like me to ask them when they're on here? That's a real thing. It really happens. Be the next person to do it. Um, that's my other big takeaway. Be the next person to submit a question. I love that. That's a great one. Also, keep an eye out for upcoming Emerging Leaders events. So, Hannah, real quick, Emerging Leaders events, they're coming. They're awesome. What are your? What can you tell people about those? Yeah, I mean, we're ready to have an in-person event. Yes. Get some people together, really start networking, start growing together, hear from some of our veteran leaders. And I yeah. think it's it's. It's time, you know. It's time. I think we're we're ready to go, so we're Absolutely. excited to bring that to you guys. And there and there it will be an invite coming to you very, very, very soon. So make sure you're looking for it. And last thing, please rate, follow, and subscribe to this podcast on whatever platform you listen to it on. It really helps this project grow. But with that, uh, keep growing, leaders, and we will talk to you next time.